Hey, this is The Mouth Off with Kyone Wolf. Storytelling from the Mark Twain House. I'm Kyone Wolf. Our first story is from Jen Montgomery. She's an ethics attorney, poet, writer, part-time adventurer, and mama who hates cake and loves pie. She says she's teaching herself how to bake bread, practice kindness, and fight the patriarchy. Here's Jen's story from the April 2016 show, aptly themed April Fools. So a few months ago, I was reading some bedtime stories to my almost three-year-old. She had picked a gigantic book of Dr. Seuss short stories, and about halfway through the book, I reached a story and I gasped. I knew this story. I had lived this story. The story was entitled, Too Many Daves. (laughs) Dave number one. It was the summer I turned 15. I was painfully shy. My family had just moved from central North Dakota in a tiny town to Fargo, the big city. (laughs) My mom, in an attempt to cure my shyness, signed me up for a summer performing arts program. Performing arts school was great. I was amongst outcasts, just like myself. I tried out for a modern interpretation of Romeo and Juliet. I got in. I was the nurse. Dave was Tybalt. Not exactly romance material, but I was smitten. Dave was 16 and had an electric blue Camaro. He listened to Nirvana a lot. And like me, he was a small kid in a sea of German and Norwegian people. (laughs) Our romance was pretty typical. We made out in the prop shed behind the stage during rehearsal. We made out in his basement watching movies like The Princess Bride and Labyrinth. We made out in the back of his Camaro. He told me I was his soulmate. So I was heartbroken when eight weeks later, we started regular high school again, and he broke up with me for a cheerleader with strawberry blonde hair and long legs. He later would tell me that he wanted to live in a John Hughes movie. Somehow that didn't make me feel any better. Dave number two. It was my sophomore year of college. Dave was dark, very dark. He studied Japanese. He wanted to be the Swedish ninja. (laughs) Our courtship was brief and intense and ended abruptly when he crashed my friend Finney's Halloween party. He dyed his hair red and told everyone with dramatic flourish that he had used his own blood. (laughs) I didn't want to find out if he was telling the truth. Dave number three. I met Dave number three that November. Dave was warm and kind and not at all dark. He told me halfway through our first date that he was Catholic and he wanted to save himself for marriage. Halfway through our third date, he proposed. (laughs) Dave number four. I met Dave number four in a small town in central South Dakota. My good college friend Gabe had died suddenly, and I went to his hometown for the funeral to stay with his family. Dave had been one of his best friends in high school. I still remember the moment he walked into the church for the wake. 
Radiohead was playing, Gabe's favorite band. Dave had big brown eyes, long eyelashes, and long black hair. He was one of the beautiful people. I was in awe. And he wanted me. It was love. We started dating. He quickly transferred to my small college in Minnesota. Senior year came. I got a Fulbright grant to study the women's movement in Israel. I gave him an ultimatum. I said, Dave, come with me to Israel. He gave me a counteroffer. He said, I'll come with you to Israel. If, you, if when we get back, you come with me to Connecticut so I can study sociology at the University of Connecticut. I said, yes. So we traveled halfway across the world together and then back again and landed in Hartford. He started grad school. I started law school. I thought things were going really well. He started doing his thesis research at a gay bar in the south end of Hartford. <laughs> he stayed there until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He started selling shots in his underwear on the weekend. Then two weeks before my first law school exams, he left me for a bartender at the gay bar in Hartford. When Dave left me, I was broken. I didn't know who I was anymore. I had no money, no car, no apartment. I almost gave up. My mom started sending me sweatshirts and coffee mugs from the law school near their home in the Midwest. <laughs> but I couldn't quit. So I funneled all my energy into my law school exams. I did very well. I went to my landlord and I told him the sordid tale. He cut me a check for our entire security deposit so I could rent a room in an apartment two blocks away. I still remember putting all of my belongings in my friend Kate's car, putting my mattress on top of the car, and walking alongside the two blocks to my new home. I never looked back. So I decided to give up Dave's for good. <laughs> I had learned my lessons. I met a lovely man named Clark. He was a union organizer. He was quirky. He, too, had gone to performing arts high school. And he was worldly. His dad was a three-star general in the army, and he grew up on army bases throughout Germany. So when he asked me to go on a whirlwind adventure to Montreal for a long weekend, I accepted. He told me we were going someplace very fancy as soon as we got to the city. So I wore a black, vintage, beaded cocktail dress, he wore his grandfather's seersucker tuxedo. We left early in the morning. When we got to the border cross, I told you he was quirky. When, <laughs> when we got to the border crossing, they asked the usual questions. Where are you going? How long is your stay? Then they asked, do you have any weapons in the vehicle, sir? Clark paused. And then he gave the worst answer possible. He said, well, sir, that all depends. <laughs> oh, 
As I waited in the sickly green waiting area of the border crossing station, (laughs) shivering in my cocktail dress, while Clark was being interviewed for two and a half hours by the border crossing agents, I had a lot of time to reflect. (laughs) I also had Clark's wallet. So I started looking through the contents. He had some, you know, American money and Canadian money, a library card, pulled out his driver's license, complete with embarrassing picture with black-framed Buddy Holly glasses. Then I looked at his name. You know where this is going. (laughs) David Clark Smith. (laughs) Too many Daves. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jen Montgomery. Next up, we've got Katie Kelly. She writes screenplays and works in development at Trinity College in Hartford. And her story, with some profanity you should know, was from our September 2015 show, whose theme was Caught in the Act, stories about not getting away with it. I blame my first dalliances with breaking the law on my college. I went to Lemoyne College in upstate New York, which is a really small college. I knew this. I chose the school because it was small, because I thought that small would translate into like a personalized familial atmosphere. But I soon realized that when you mix small with upstate New York, really that translates into nothing fun ever happening ever. (laughs) One of the things I was looking forward to most about college was that quintessential bustling quad area where a myriad of people are hanging out on picnic blankets and throwing frisbees. And Lemoyne was the exact opposite of my dream. You could walk through campus during the middle of the day and not see another soul. It was a little bit scary. It had kind of like a post-apocalyptic feel. (laughs) And before I got used to it, there would be times where I'd look around and say, has something horrible happened? Like, (laughs) is, is everybody else hiding out in some bunker that I don't know about? The only thing more depressing than Lemoyne during the day is Lemoyne at night. (laughs) No one was partying. It was an American I was looking for schools to transfer to. That's when I heard about a bar with the prestigious name of Mr. Mardi Gras Rib Room. Apparently, this is where people were going to have fun at night. The problem was I was going to need a fake ID to get in. So... This became my mission in life. Now, I was totally new to the fake ID culture, but my New York contemporaries were not. They all had them, they all used them frequently. So I'm talking with one of these people, my friend Kim, and I'm talking about how I'd really like to go out and like make some friends at college. And she says, oh, you can borrow my ID. Now, this is a really, really nice offer, but it did pose a challenge. Because Kim was using her sister's ID. And Kim and her sister are both 5'11". And I'm 5'4". So that means I'd have to stand in front of a bouncer and say with total confidence, 
I know I appear short, <laughs> but I'm actually seven inches taller than I look. <laughs> and Kim's sister was also 25, so now I've exceeded my actual self by seven inches and seven years. <laughs> so the conversation with the bouncer now becomes, I may appear small and young, but I'm actually just under six feet, and my 30s are right around the corner. <laughs> but it gave me an idea. Why don't I ask my older sister for her fake ID? We're both 5'4", we have red hair and blue eyes, and also, one of the worst things about a fake ID is that you have to memorize all this information. But I know my sister's name, I know her birthday, and we had the same home address, so that was all taken care of. But then I remembered something about us growing up together. When we were growing up, my sister was type A times a thousand. Her room was like this little private museum that deigned to reside in our larger household. It was pristine and it was perfect. And she didn't want anyone going in there. I went in there all the time. And of course, I was told not to. I wasn't supposed to go in there. But the problem was, I really, really liked touching other people's stuff. <laughs> So I would go through her room and I'd paw through her jewelry and her meticulously color-coordinated clothes and makeup. And I'm such a mindless slob that I didn't see this like wake of evidence that I was le leaving behind me when I went through her room. But she did. So just when I needed my sister the most, when I needed her to commit a felony with me, <laughs> I didn't even ask, because I knew the answer was going to be no. So now it's the summer after my freshman year, and I'm complaining to anyone who will listen about how I can't make any friends, because I can't get into any bars. And my brother's girlfriend says, well, I just turned 21, I'll give you my fake ID. And I try not to get too excited, because the only thing my brother's girlfriend and I have in common is that her hair was blonde, and my hair looks blonde when I dye it blonde. <laughs> so I have low expectations. And then she reaches into her back pocket. And if I recall correctly, this part did happen in slow motion. She takes out the ID and hands it to me. And I experience a euphoria that happens once, maybe twice in a lifetime. This girl looked exactly like me. She did her hair like me. She smiled like me. I could have stolen her identity if I wanted to. This was perfect. So now I left something out that's really, really important. So her name was Kareen Castellano. And the point of having Kareen Castellano was so I could get into my college social scene. But I figured I might as well take her for a test run while I'm home in Connecticut. So, it's my first night out, it's my big night out with my fake ID, and I'm not nervous. I don't need to be. This girl looks exactly like me. So, I'm in line, and with absolutely no apprehension, when it's my turn, I hand the bouncer my ID and just stand there. He looks down and says, spell your last name. <laughs> Now, this is a ridiculous question. 
because what kind of asshole doesn't know how to spell their last name? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'm that kind of asshole. Because I was so caught up on how much we looked alike that I didn't bother memorizing any of her information. Hope was not lost, because I'm a good speller. <laughs> but I'd also had a good number of beers before I went to the bar, so I was going to have to think about this one. And again, not Smith, Castellano. So, as this big burly bouncer holds my precious ID, I carefully spell out my last name. C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-O Castellano. And he looks at me and goes, that is correct. <laughs> and so inside, I'm doing this little dance of joy, but I just give him a smirk like, I know you're just doing your job. I'm not mad at you. And then I try to walk in, and he blocks me. And he looks at me and says, you know, most people don't have to think about how to spell their last name. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> So I wish I could say that this experience changed me, but it didn't. I got my ID back, I learned how to spell my last name, and I went on to be Karen Castellano for many years after that. <laughs> but if you require a moral to your story, I'll give you three. One, if you drink enough before the bar to act as stupidly as I did, maybe you shouldn't be going to the bar. <laughs> Two, if you're going to break the law, do your goddamn homework. And three, never go to college in upstate New York. Thank you, Katie Kelly. As Mark Twain said, I like a good story well told. That's the reason I'm sometimes forced to tell them myself. Tell your story at one of our live shows. Dates, themes, tickets, and swag are at marktwainhouse.org slash mouthoff. Find us on Facebook by searching The Mouth Off. Thanks to the fine, hardworking people at the Mark Twain House and Museum, including Peter Roos, Jennifer LaRue, Sean Kutzko, George Davis, Alana Stolman, and Rebecca Floyd. The Mouth Off is hosted and produced by me, Kion Wolf. thanks in part to the people supporting me on Patreon. Patreon is a really cool way to collectively support an artist, and your support adds up. Please consider signing up at patreon.com slash Wolf. And you can check out all the other cool stuff I'm doing at kionwolf.com. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kion Wolf and on Facebook at Kion Wolf Productions. And I am done saying my name. Imagine the stories you'll tell about being a sponsor for the Mouth Off. For rates and how all that works, email mouthoffhartford at gmail.com and I'll get you hooked up with the fine people at the Mark Twain House. All right, that's it. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, whatever happens, make it a good story. Bye. <laughs>